0: I just had this, not like just epiphany, but all of a sudden just accepting it. It is what it is. I, I can't feel bad for myself. Once I kind of just started accepting of like, this is our journey. It, it is what it is and I can't change it. And so I'm just in it and I'm going to embrace it. It's made it so much easier. Just with like life too, as like, a, it's our story, riding the waves and being in it. But I'm still really positive on easy peasy. Like again, outside of the litigation and the legal stuff. We have a great team. Our brand is evolved. We're making awesome products. I mean, so there's so much like good to offset too.
1: Lindsay Lorraine is a working mom who launched Easy Peasy in 2014 when she created the Happy Mat Mealtime Tool after frustration with the messiness and cleanup time dedicated to each meal for her three children. Since 2014, Easy Peasy has revolutionized the feeding industry with their all-in-one silicon suction mats and has been featured on Shark Tank and the Today Show. Easy Peasy's mission is to make mealtime with kids less about stress and more about fun. Coming up, the story of how rambunctious dinner time sparked the launch of Easy Peasy. Lessons learned in prototyping and designing a physical product. Lindsay shares the behind the scenes of Easy Peasy's Kickstarter campaign and how Easy Peasy tapped into the mom community to generate sales. And finally, Lindsay's learnings from her appearance on Shark Tank. Lindsay, we are so excited to finally sit down with you and hear all about your entrepreneur journey and I'm most excited because I am a customer of yours and knew about your product before we even connected over email and now over zoom so to get to hear the whole story directly from you um, I'm so excited so thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Well, thank you for the opportunity and for having me I am excited to chat with you ladies. So my first question for you, Lindsay, is,
1: did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur?
0: How did this business come to be? No, I definitely did not. I was not, it it was not part of my life journey. I actually, I spent my career in corporate America. And so I, you know, went to college and got a job working in the medical field, the pharmaceutical industry, and then really just thought I would always be in corporate America I did, after having Chase and Drew, or I got pregnant with Chase and Drew, I had an opportunity for like a severance. And so I was like, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. So we had three boys. I essentially was like paid to almost stay at home for 10 months. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go to the gym with like my friends. And that was like, not what happened. I was like, not meant to be a stay-at-home mom. It was so hard. Oh my God. Those, it was really, really hard. So I stayed home for a little bit. And then went back to corporate America was again, thinking I would be in corporate America forever. And then one night at dinner, the boys were at this age two, we had twins that were two and Brody was three. And they were being messy one night at dinner and my husband was like, ah, there's gotta be a better way. And so I was at work the next day and just started like researching, you know, suction bowls and placemats and plates and anything you could think of to make mealtime like easier with three boys. And I came home from work that night. I was like, I'm going to start a company and create a product. If anyone can do it, I can do it. And the rest is kind of history. And so that was kind of how it started. And then eventually I quit my job in, but no, not part of my life plan at all.
2: How long did it take you until you decided you were ready to quit your job?
0: God, things went so fast at the beginning. And so my personality is very all or nothing. And so I am like, just very obsessive. And so once I like make up my mind, there was like no turning back. And so we launched, this was in March of 2014, that night at dinner. And we launched our Kickstarter campaign at the end of August or September of 2014. So six months really after, you know, that dinner to having a product, we launched with our happy mat, which I can show you. So for you guys listening, it's just the happy mat that is the largest, you know, mat that we sell for toddlers. And so that was six months after. And so I was working my job while I was kind of doing it on the side and creating the company and the website and doing all of that, just, you know, at nights and whenever I could. And then after we got funded on Kickstarter, um, I, and we were at a trade show actually that weekend, we went, I went to the ABC Kids Expo. So I actually was still working when I went to that expo. It was like a retailer expo where you meet yeah, retailers. Yeah, yeah. And we were in the invention area. And then I went back, I went to work on Monday and was like, I'm quitting. And I had this placemat and that's a whole, I actually met Julie Clark, who's the founder of baby Einstein through a person. I was at, actually working at Humana. That was a whole nother random story to like, I mean, I could tell you that story if you want, but it was a crazy. the whole journey with these VZ has been like, you know, just good energy and meeting people and all these random things that have happened that I've just been so fortunate, you know, from a timing perspective. What
1: were some of the first steps you took from that time at dinner when you had this idea to you know going through this whole 6 month process getting to even be ready to go on kickstarter like what did you do first
0: so i ordered the mom inventors handbook on amazon
1: okay
0: you know the 101 it should be like the inventors handbook it's like a lot of what your guys website and resources have like available but it's like the 101 like literally steps to take like search an llc or whatever you know general information and so i read that book and like I mean, probably like two days again, totally obsessive, just so excited. And at that point, I just taped a bowl to a piece of paper because mm-hmm. I knew I wanted like a placemat to catch the mess in a bowl from that book I ordered. It was like, it looks like rice and it's like, but it's plastic beads and you like boil it. It turns into this moldable plastic that you can like mold into something and then it gets hard. And so I like took an actual bowl and like made a placemat out of it. So it was like this. I don't have it because of our trial we were in. They took it as an exhibit. They still have it. So whenever the case is done, we'll eventually get it back. But so it's like this janky, hard prototype. So that was really early on too. It, you know, and I can, I can talk about the silicone prototype and how we got that. I mean, that was probably like you know, two weeks after that night at dinner, I had like this plastic prototype that is terrible to look at now, but I was like, this is awesome. And, you know, this is the idea.
2: When you launched Kickstarter, did you have the prototype already? Did you have product to sell?
0: Yes, we did. So I had done like research on Kickstarter and I knew one of the like problems with Kickstarter was, you know, delay of getting the product and having issues. And so we really wanted to be able to like, send the mats as quickly as possible. And so we did have the first mat in the design ready to go. And then the money from Kickstarter we got for like our tooling and that first production run. And then we sent the mats out. That was in like September of 2014 around Christmas time of 2014.
2: Do you remember how much money you invested before Kickstarter and then what you raised on Kickstarter?
0: So before Kickstarter, not a lot of money. I mean, it was just thousands of dollars. I mean, just from starting a website to an LLC. And I was doing, you know, at the beginning, like I did legal Zoom, which to start the LLC, and then eventually a lawyer was like, you should probably have a lawyer do that. But, you know, you can do a lot of that kind of stuff cheap. And just, we had a graphic designer and a photographer, but they were all pretty cheap. And so You know, not a huge investment up front.
1: How did you figure out where to do that initial production run?
0: That I probably got from like the Mom and Inventor's Handbook, like a website like Alibaba, you know, of where you go to find manufacturers. And so I actually found this manufacturer. They seemed like legit. And I sent them some stuff. And then I just got like a really bad feeling. I was like, they don't, they're like being sketchy. So I got on LinkedIn and found like one person that had that company like related. And I reached out and was like, is this a real company? I'm interested he's like, no, stay away. Don't say I said that. And he sent me someone's name in China and was like, reach out to this person. And we've been with that manufacturer ever since. And they've been our only manufacturer. So for over now, almost seven years. So I got so lucky, you know, to have someone that has like truly been like family grown from like a manufacturing standpoint and all of that, which has been awesome.
1: Talk to us about the process of doing a Kickstarter campaign, because we definitely know from experience with crowdfunding and many of our entrepreneista League members have done crowdfunding campaigns. It's definitely a lot of upfront work, and there's a whole process that's involved. And you shared that you had a very successful campaign and got funded. What were some of your secrets and tips to making it a success?
0: Yeah, great question. I yeah, so we raised seventy two thousand dollars on Kickstarter, so it was a successful campaign, like over our target. But I had no idea like how hard it was gonna be. We knew like a good having a good video, like a good high quality video, and all of that was important. So we had a videographer who was a family friend, shot it all at our house, and, and so that was like a good production value. But I just didn't realize, like, I hate asking people for stuff. Like, I just, it makes me so uncomfortable. And so, like, that part, I hated at the beginning. You have to, like, have a, you know, like, you're, like, selling and you're trying to get people to your campaign. And and so, it took a lot of work of just doing that and asking family and friends. And, you know, p- luckily, people shared it. And so, it kind of naturally went. But there was a lot of up from work. And, like, just researching the industry that you're launching into and who is the who and, you know, knowing kind of as much, I mean, again, I was totally obsessive. So it was like every second I had, I'd be like looking at the baby industry and, you know, all of that kind of stuff too. But yeah, it was a lot of work. And then you have to like fulfill all those orders and stay in touch with those people and do all of that and then execute, you know, there's like the building the business in the beginning. And then it like becomes real when you get the product. And then that's like a whole nother chapter. I remember being like, that was so much easier before. Now you have like Delivery and fulfillment and customer issue. I mean, all of those things that is just all real.
2: How soon after you started the business, did you go on Shark Tank?
0: I mean, gosh, those first few years, it was just so crazy. So the mat, the suction mat. So like we end up, I've got this idea, right? I think the all-in-one placement and play cool. I find silicone, love silicone. It's great because it's high quality and it's durable and it's, you know, flexible I did not realize though, and if you've seen the mats, they will like self seal to the table. And so I wanted the bowl to essentially like suction to the mat and stay to the mat. I never thought they would be able to like suction function, we call it the way they did, like lifting tables. So it became like a phenomenon at the beginning. We went to the Invention Connection. At the time, Jamie Grayson, he's the baby guy, he had posted a video of him like lifting a table and that went crazy. And there was just, and it was like mom entrepreneurship was really big. And so it was just like the right timing of all of this. So Shark Tank, to answer your question, we actually met them at the Invention Connection when we were there, you know, so six months out of the gate, we have like a touch point with them, get their information.
1: Were the, the producers were at the event.
0: Yeah, they like walk around. I mean, and, and go figure, it, right? They're like looking for products and stuff. It's not just like everyone submitting applications to Shark Tank, which is part of the process too. But that's how we got connected with the the Shark Tank folks. That was in September of 2016. We taped Shark Tank a year later, so September of 2015. But like even just like the leading up to that, I mean, it consumed a lot of the beginning because, right? If you think I met them in September of 14, then we're already into 15 January, and then you're kind of talking to them and applying and all of that. So that was our first kind of full year. We had gone to Shark Tank, and we had also done like a. QuickBooks, at the time, I don't think they do it anymore. It's like a uh, small business, big game contest. So like 15,000 businesses applied. We were selected as a top 10 finalist, which was awesome. And the winner wins a Super Bowl commercial. And so we didn't end up winning the Super Bowl commercial, but they reached out after and they're like, hey, we love your story. We'd love to film a commercial. They ended up came, came and produced a full commercial for us. Easy peasy was like the business and how we use QuickBooks, but it was for QuickBooks, if that makes sense. The timing of that was coinciding with like, you know, I was going to LA to like shoot Shark Tank, but with Shark Tank, you don't know, or I tape Shark Tank, you don't know if you're going to air or when you're going to air. And then you get a notice two weeks before it airs, like, hey, you're airing. So you just kind of go and then you forget about it. So we like went in filmed, had a just, I mean, we can talk about the experience. And then that's when I got home and all the QuickBooks stuff was going on. And I'm like, okay, we'll just see. I don't care. I think it didn't go well. I wonder if I didn't want it to air.
1: So wait, what, what happened? Tell us what happened on the, when you were filming.
0: You know, looking back, I, at that point, when all that was going on, I was like, did not want to go on Shark Tank because I didn't want our success to be contributed to like a show because I was like, we've already built so much and we're getting all of this. This is really exciting. That was stupid. Like, no, go on Shark Tank. You make your own success. But we didn't need money at this time. So, like, we're, we were self funded. We were like having a great year at the beginning. We had got funding on Kickstarter. We weren't like in need of an investment like most companies are at the beginning, right? I, we went on Shark Tank for like licensing opportunities. I didn't know anything about licensing at the time. And we had this idea for like a pet brand. And like, Lori, I was like, oh, she does pets. These would be the best. We went on Shark Tank. I went on with a short dress. It did not go as I pictured, like I thought they were going to be like how everything was at trade shows. Everyone's like so excited and can't believe the suction. And they were just like all about numbers. I was like, this is not the right fit culturally. And we haven't talked about the team yet, but I'm like, we're a small team. I work with my best friends. This is going to change everything. And if you're listening, like once you take money or finance, I mean, it does change. I ended up not taking the offers because we got two offers. So I walk off and actually at this point I didn't realize my grass was that short yet. You do like this post interview thing. And at that point I was like, cry. I was like, I just, I was glad I didn't cry on shark tank, but I was just like, I can't even remember what I said. And then at shark tank, they make you actually meet with like a therapist after you leave the show, you know, you film and you're like, okay, we'll see you." So we leave, we get our airing date. We end up having a party in our warehouse you know, like all friends and it was awesome. Like so many people in the baby industry in Colorado were there. It was an awesome time. And the uh, East coast had already aired. So, you know, they're like two hours ahead. (laughs) And all of a sudden I just like start seeing like emails and tweets were coming in. Like this from her pants, where's her, her dress is so short. That's like all I could see. I'm like, literally there's like a hundred people at our warehouse. I'm like, oh my God, that was the first feedback I was getting. So then I actually watched it. I actually didn't think it was that bad. I was like, okay, kind of went to bed because we had this party. And I thought I was like being funny. I'm like, oh, my dress is too short. That's like, you know, and then woke up and started looking on Twitter to see like what people were really saying. And it was devastating. It was like, I mean, the meanest things you could ever say about someone. I'm laughing now, but I was not, I was crying. (laughs) Anything you could think to be mean, people were like firing in on our Facebook. just like, how would you not do a deal? And you went on for more that was very short lived, but like for two days, it really sucked. And then someone on Twitter, had like literally said like this dumb, I mean, effing like W H O R E. I mean, really mean, like, but they spelled dumb D U M N. And I literally was like, and I'm done. Like, I'm not listening to one more thing. I don't care. You don't even know who you know, no one knows who I am. No one knows what happened there. You, everyone has an opinion. I mean, like it was kind of insane when you really start thinking about, and I like, wasn't bullied as a kid. So I had all these lessons of like, it sucks. Gible, and I, I really do feel for like famous people. I mean, everyone's a person. It was a great learning experience. One just going on it. I mean, that it was all an experience. I love it you know, an experience, you know, there was like a boost of, of traffic to our website that night. I was under the impression though. And I will say as a consumer and as like an everyday person, before I started easy peasy, I assumed like shark tanks, the golden ticket, you go on shark tank and you are set. You've like made it. And that is so far from the truth. It was a bump. And then, you know, it drops off and you just continue on. And I say like, you're still packing boxes the next day. And you're still, business just keeps going on. It's not like it just ends. And even if it's you have a bump, it has to be sustained and you have to keep doing all of the things to run a business. You can't just like retire after you get some views and a, a nice bump in sales. But it was, it was good exposure. I will say not even from like a, a sales perspective, cause it didn't like, it wasn't a crazy amount of like, you know, life-changing I mean, sales, but people recognizing it just like at trade shows and like the excitement, people love Shark Tank. And so like, or a lot of people have like, I've seen this somewhere, like That has the positive of Shark Tank, right? Of just like, and there's reruns. And so seeing the smiley face, I mean, all of that helps with brand recognition, you know, brand trust and all of that kind of stuff. So absolutely positives. I think another positive was a great community. I don't stay in touch. I'm so kind of off social media now than I was at that time when I was really in it. And just like, you know, trying to absorb like your community, I'm sure is. And you're starting off and you just like feed off of other entrepreneurs. And again, I'm kind of not, not as active as I, I was, but there was a really good Shark Tank community of good people that I would consider, you know, good friends that talking through and working through and same problems and sharing experiences and all of those things, which was really helpful during those, those hard years.
1: Lindsay, what has surprised you
0: the most about running this business? One, it has been great. I will start with just coming from corporate America and having the freedom of entrepreneurship and running your own business. It's life-changing and I can never kind of go back into my previous world. It just, it would, I, it just wouldn't work. With that, I think, you know, going into this again, I was a young mom with three young kids. And I just kind of assumed I like every, everyone is nice. And, and people at the beginning is like, oh, you're going to get copied and people are going to copy this. And I, I literally said, and I believed it, like, I'm not going to get copied. I'm a mom. Like, no, one's going to copy a mom of three kids. That was completely wrong. Like they're not only going to copy me. They're going to like use my kids' pictures all over their packaging. That is very naive to like kind of the ugliness of business. And so like the copying, I didn't realize just all, even on Amazon and that world and how much is, you know, copy and counterfeit goods. And then like big businesses and the legal challenges of, we've been involved in litigation since 2016. So that was like, it's kind of started when I was saying in our glory days of like, this is amazing. And so the challenges, gosh, it's over the last five years. But that was just, it was a lot of my time and energy. You know, I was, I just kind of talked about all the fun stuff and that was so exciting and all of this. And then to be consumed kind of, and come down from all of that fun stuff into like every day we were seeing copies of my kids and it was such a really hard time in like 16, 17 and 18. And then like having to build kind of an infrastructure. I mean, we had a full-time lawyer for a few years. We had an enforcer that would like go to factories in China. We have like online enforcers that are looking for counterfeit listings So kind of build it, you know, building an infrastructure of to protect what you've built or what we had built the first two years.
1: And this is because you were able to get the patents and I'm assuming utility patents too.
0: Yeah. At that time, you know, a lot of stuff is pending. And so we filed a lot of IP and not only in the U.S., but globally. I mean, we we probably overfiled with trademarks and copyrights. I mean, so you can enforce stuff. And we have design patents and luckily that smile design, the smile face has done so well and is part of the easy peasy brand that we can take a ton of listings offline for design patent infringement. Utility patent's is a little bit different because it's the functionality of the product and how the product works. So it's not as easy to like take down a listing of a utility patent infringement because it's more complex. It's not like you're just looking at a design.
1: So what exactly happened in 2016 when these legal issues started?
0: I went into like total protection mode. We were spending at one point like a million dollars a year on lawyers. And again, we were involved in a litigation. So we had not raised money. Then we're like, I'm like, we need money so bad. I mean, just like buy inventory, no one would give us money because we were involved in a litigation, right? Like you're in a legal battle. So no one wants to lend you money, which sucks. I always tell my husband, I'm like, if you only really knew how, what things were happening, but I had like every credit card's maxed out, you know, anywhere I could get money from, like, you know, Shopify Capital, Chase, I was just like, those were really hard days. I mean, a lot of days, those were the hardest days. And then we kind of got through that. And then we started innovating again. Um, we were innovating a lot at the beginning with our mats. And I could talk about the brand kind of evolution. But then we started with cups and spoons and utensils. And so our revenue just started to grow and grow. And then it kind of all became positive. Like I just started focusing different on the legal and. How
2: big is your, is your team now?
0: So we're, we're still pretty small. So coming from corporate America, when I left, I was like, I want to work with my best friends and create a culture that is like family and friends and is amazing. And so really that's what I've done. And so I had reached out my two best friends from middle school really um, have been involved since the beginning. So they are both on the team and do a ton, and then we have a creative and um, a speech language pathologist, Dawn, who does a lot of our designing, and then customer service, and then we've got independents who do like photography and product design who are awesome. And so all women tune out, which is really exciting, but we're still pretty small. I mean, that's kind of it from our team standpoint. So we are still pretty small. Over the years, we had a lawyer for a while, um, but he's not there, and so we've stayed small.
1: When you first launched, you were selling direct-to-consumer, correct? Yes. What was the process like of getting into retail?
0: Again, we had such a fortunate experience of when we were at, I I believe it was probably that first trade show, like Bye Bye Baby was there and Nordstrom was there and, and Nordstrom was our first retailer. So in 2015, we launched with Nordstrom they are awesome. And they've been such a great partner. And now it's so cool. The Nordstrom buyer and Bye Bye Baby buyer, they've been the same buyer since I've been, I mean, for seven years, I've known these people now. And so they're all, I mean, they're just great, but slowly we just started adding retailers on, but I mean, really early on, we got into Land of Nod, which is now Crane Barrel and Pottery Barn Kids. And so, and they've all been great retailer you know, partners since, you know, we've evolved our line and, and kind of our brand with them. And so meeting retailers at trade shows was a great place and we met a lot and then we've gone direct with all of our retailers you know you can use sales reps but there was some trial and error with that on like nord or for target but we're direct with target the target buyer is awesome she's a woman she's great
1: what have you learned just about the process of working with retailers
0: so one when when we started easy peasy from like a margin perspective Someone had given me a good rule of thumb. Like it was like a random guy i had called. I don't even know. And you, it, we were talking about the price of silicone. I'll never forget it. And silicone is so expensive. And I think at this time, the, like our raw material for like the happy was like $7. was our first quote. And he was like, you need to make it five. If you want to be able to operate into every channel. So that's international because the margin is tiny for international retailer, which you're going to need a 50% margin on your website, you have to be able to multiply your landed cost by five. So you have to take your, your landed cost, like shipping everything. When you get it here, you should multiply. By, I'm like, that's going to be like $35 for the mat. But so it was a really good advice that just kind of this five-time rule, which we've gone away from. I mean, we make decisions of because if you're just e-commerce, you don't need to have five. You know that strong of a margin because you have a really strong margin. With that, we have a huge international business. So about you know, 25 to 30% of our revenue comes from international. We're in 45 countries. And so we have to price our products so we can have a margin and still sell and make. I mean, it's not as much per product, but you sell more quantity internationally, right? There are containers that are going. And so from a pricing standpoint, we've tried to maintain margins you know, the best we can, but raw materials have increased. And so maintaining like pricing throughout the years is a whole other challenging.
2: When you were in corporate America, what were you doing and what were your learnings from, from your time?
0: I had great corporate American experiences in the sense of I was actually at Pfizer and made some great friends at Pfizer. I think just general business acumen like of being responsible and accountable. And so all of those things were great. But like I got my MBA. That really didn't. I mean, really nothing. That was just... <laughs> I mean, I, I just caught that so I could really be like, I got my MBA. That was my goal. I checked, can check that box but really it wasn't that beneficial. Running your company and having a profit and loss and doing all of that is really valuable. And you just naturally learn versus like, I really struggled with accounting. I still hate accounting, but I learned a lot of those great lessons of just kind of like the general business acumen. I think in corporate America though, it's everyone's kind of competing to get promoted, or at least I was, I wanted to like get promoted. And so there's just like, it's hard to like really be authentic and I was authentic luckily I had great bosses and I could always be myself which was really important to me but I think it's it's versus like in the entrepreneur world everyone wants to succeed and you're like all in it together and it's real and so there's just like no barriers at least on our team we're all you know what I mean there's just like no egos no barriers everyone wants to succeed how has your marketing strategy evolved over the years Being self-funded at the beginning, we didn't have money. And so we were very scrappy and just got a lot of just grassroots of people sharing and moms and great, you know, such a great community of moms, but really low budget. So we didn't have a lot of a lot of money. But it was like Facebook was just starting. We had some viral videos at the beginning when that was like could be possible on Facebook. Like that's not even really possible now. Like the way, and we sold a ton of mats that was in. December of 2016. We sold like millions of views. The the videos of just like they were those videos that everyone would share one of those like gizmos, like the fidget spinner. Forgot about (laughs) those. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. That was just a crazy, but that was also a learning too, because fake videos started coming out with fake websites. That was like a whole other time suck of getting websites down that would have our videos of. So, that again is not as prevalent now, but that was what I was dealing with a lot then of just kind of like this defensive mode.
2: Do you have any advice for how to effectively reach the mom community?
0: When I started Easy Peasy, I was more in it than I am now. It's like I've gra- so our kids were two. Mm-hmm. So, I was like online, like looking for, you know what I mean? Like, you're in a community. I was on Baby Center all the time. Like I, I was like, I just, these were like my people. These are my mom. Like they, we all had kids the same age and I had this mad and I was like, everyone was cheering me. I mean, I, I like, if anyone was listening to this and they were in our Facebook group, like the peeps, I called them and I would, I would like send them samples. We had this, I mean, it was just a really fun time. And I got to share my journey with people that I thought wanted to care. You know, I wanted to share it. I was excited. Things have just evolved a little bit differently with Instagram. There are still communities And luckily because of baby led weaning and where our brand gets used, we're in a lot of these like baby feeding communities and mom communities. How
1: have you been able to like emotionally move forward from, you know, you're going through, you're still dealing with litigation issues. And then you also have to be present and keep your business going. Like, how have you been able to like emotionally deal with everything?
0: when I was kind of going through that, I was saying like those hard times and all the counterfeits, it was hard. And I think it weighed on me a lot. Then with the litigation, I kind of, I just had this, not like just epiphany, but all of a sudden just accepting it. It is what it is. I, I can't feel bad for myself. You know, there's this like, oh, it's not fair. Like, this is not fair. I mean, how is this fair? But I just, once I kind of just started accepting of like, this is our journey. It, it is what it is and I can't change it. And so I'm just in it and I'm going to embrace it. It's made it so much easier. Just with like life too, as like a, this is part of the journey. It's our story, the good, the bad, the ugly, I can, you know what I mean? And just kind of riding the waves and being in it, but I'm still really positive on easy peasy. Like again, outside of the litigation and the legal stuff, we have a great team. Our brand is evolved. We're making awesome products. I mean, so there's so much like good to offset to that negative.
2: What advice do you have for anyone thinking about becoming an entrepreneur?
0: Anything is possible. So I, where I started this at the beginning of like, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. If you believe enough in what you're doing and and obviously it can't be like something so random that just has like no chance of succeeding, but right. Whether it's what you guys are doing or a product or a service, like if you believe enough in it and I truly do believe this, then you can make it happen and you can make it a success. And then I think, defining what that success looks like is really important. Like, what are your goals? I mean, some people, it could just be, I just don't want to have to go show up to an office every day and I want to make enough money to blah, blah, blah. Or I want to eventually make millions and sell this, whatever's driving you. But there's like a lot of different, you know, paths. You don't have to do it just to like get rich and make money. I think there's just like a lot of fulfillment that comes from the the journey as well. So I think that if you do believe in yourself and You know, it's hard work and it's learnings, but it's possible for anyone to follow entrepreneurship. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And you're definitely proof of that. (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: All right, Lindsay, this is a fun segment we love to do. We're going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first word are words that come to your mind. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Describe yourself in three words.
0: Passionate, fun, fun uh, authentic. If you could learn one new skill, what would it be? Accounting. (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, these are tough. One new skill. I like want to learn how to snowmobile.
1: Love that. What is your favorite business tool or solution that's helped you grow your business?
0: Just for me, this probably isn't the most relevant answer for easy peasy right now. But for me at the beginning, it was QuickBooks, just kind of having QuickBooks there to put all the stuff.
2: Yeah, I love QuickBooks. What app on your phone can you not live without?
0: Gosh, I am such a loser. I mean, the only place I go on my phone is Instagram and Apple News.
1: All right, final rapid fire question. What is your secret superpower? Ah, believing, just believing in yourself. I love that. All right. Back to our regular questions. What is your favorite way to really unwind at the end of the day?
0: Just hanging out with my lovely children. Just kidding. That is totally not the answer at all.
1: (laughs) How how old are they now?
0: They are 10 and Rory's going to be 12. I mean, it's just crazy. So they're still cute and cuddly, but I mean, I love when my husband and I like actually find a show we can watch and are like into a show because He's usually like watching sports. And so that's nice when we actually like last night, actually we watched a show dinner and drinks with my girlfriends who are like on the easy peasy team, you know, that kind of stuff. But just in general, we're pretty low key.
2: Um, How do you achieve work-life balance?
0: I think this is an evolving thing. The work-life balance just is a constantly shifting thing that when I started easy peasy. I was in such a different place than I am now of just like, and I just like owned it. Talk about like being authentic, like hot mess mom. I was like barely keeping up with like getting Brody to the bus every day. I mean, just like, you know, they were two and three and surviving and it was very hard and I did not probably have the best work-life balance, but they were younger and kind of couldn't even realize it, which was great at the beginning. Like I felt like I could work a lot and it wasn't as impactful on them which is now being, you know, they're older. They like are obviously, I'm working, don't talk to me. It's like more impactful. So I feel like I, at the beginning, was like not perfect um, and in survival, but they were also, luckily with Easy Peasy, they're part of the business. And so it's more, they're around. It's not like they're separated from it. But as they've gotten older, I've just, I've gotten, you know, more free time. And so I try to spend more time with them. I do my best, but- I don't think I'm perfect. I do my best to make sure that I'm trying to provide healthy food. And these kids know that I love them. That's like my number one priority is just making sure they feel loved and safe.
1: Do they want to own their own business one day after seeing what it's like to run a business?
0: You know, I think Brody is definitely more like inventor and like likes to tinker and stuff. Chase, I mean, they're in fourth grade. So I feel like they want to like play football. Like they don't even care. Like, I think they think it's kind of cool. Like, but I remember when we launched in Target, I took them in there. I was like, we get to see the mats." They were a little younger, but they were like, so not phased by. They're like, okay, we're going over to the toy section. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, now maybe it's cooler if like a kid there with a friend. I, but I, I mean, for me too, they've seen so much of the litigation. So I think that has been, I'm like, don't ever copy anyone. And just, <laughs> you know, they get to see the real deal, right. Of like, and I'm not shy about saying we're like, dealing with not nice people. So what do I teach them though? Like to be really kind and generous and giving. And I really do try to find the good in anything. I, that's just another thing I do of like every situation, there is a learning of it, you know, whatever it is, whether it's how you were raised or what you're doing in your life, or you can make some kind of positive out of it, which I really try to do. Same,
1: same with us.
2: <laughs> yeah. What is a favorite mantra or quote that defines your work ethic or values?
0: I would say like, I love some like Ram Dass, like be here now I'm into yoga. Not that I'm any, you're like, how are you spiritually? But I am, I'm really about getting in nature and being in the present and all of those things I try to practice. That is also a learning. I'm not perfect again, but I try to balance it. Yeah.
1: All right. Final question for you, Lindsay. And I know we could chat all day long. What does being an entrepreneur mean to you?
0: what I love about entrepreneurship is not only that it's given me and my family, like, you know, it's, it's what's paying the bills here, but it's also my best friends. Like I'm literally working with my best, best girlfriends that, you know, it's paying for their, you know, lives. And so that for me is just awesome that I've created this like team that I like genuinely love these people I work with. And then I'll end with, you know, specifically with easy peasy to be able to make a difference in people's lives. I mean, that, we didn't really touch that much on it but at the beginning it was you know we made the maths for our neurotypical boys but really early on we realized that they're great for like kiddos with cerebral palsy and kiddos with down syndrome and blind kids and so i have gotten messages that would just like my kid never ate before and now they're eating independently and so that kind of stuff too of like to really have some sort of making some sort of difference really was, is impactful. And so I think not only from like what I've been able to build culturally, but also like that I've actually made somewhat of a difference in the world um, is pretty, pretty awesome.
1: Well, you definitely have, and you've made a difference in our household and to so many many other families out there. So thank you for creating this incredible product and business and for all that you do and for sharing your story, because just hearing your story and your learning lessons is so helpful to so many current and aspiring entrepreneurs. So thank you, Lindsay, for, for sharing everything with us. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, buy all of your products.
0: Yes. Well, our website is probably the best. So easy peasy and it's just the letters easy peasy fun.com. And then, you know, our products are available on Amazon in Bye Bye baby and target and Nordstrom and Creighton kids and pottery barn and tons of boutiques. And so, you know, especially now that the world's opening back up, like shop locally, we love our, our local boutiques and that we have a great boutique community as well.
1: Amazing. And your Instagram handle, I'm looking it up. Easy peasy fun for everyone. We'll we'll link out to all of your social channels and your website in the show notes below. Lindsay, thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.